I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Welcome back to this special episode of Reflections on the Year 2020. My guest today is my brain, really, as I always call her, Becky. But Becky, this time, is doing what it's actually supposed to do, reflecting on the good, as much as the bad, on the blessings and silver linings, as much as the challenges that came with this pivotal year that I believe has probably changed all of our lives forever. But Becky, this time, is actually doing what it's supposed to do. My brain is looking at the good of the year as much as the bad, even more looking at the silver linings, at the blessings, as much as the challenges. And really digging deep to understand what was the message, what did we learn, How do we look back at that year as an unprecedented opportunity for learning? A year that I believe has changed our life and humanity as we know it in ways that are irreversible and that will stay with us forever. I want to bring up the topic of how bad things can be. Because when you really think about it, we're so blessed. If you haven't, I urge you to spend time listening to my conversation with the incredible Edith Ager. Edith is a survivor of the Holocaust. She is 92 years of age, brilliant and sparkling and beautiful like an angel. And Edith was taken to Auschwitz when she was 16. This beautiful young 16-year-old taken to the camps of death, observing as they took her mother to the gas chamber, being forced to dance in front of the angel of death as he would sentence people to the left and the right to survive another day or to go to their death. She lived through the times where she would never know if when she goes to the shower, it will be gas or water. Eventually, when she was saved, they collected her body from under a pile of dead bodies, basically almost lifeless, as she made one small motion with her hand. Compare that. Compare that challenge. Compare the hardship. Compare the calamity that a wonderful soul like Edith had to go through to our challenge. And ask yourself if this actually is worth the noise that we're creating around it. Ask yourself if you're being punished or being blessed in the middle of all of the possibilities of how bad life could be. This, to me, I mean this from the depth of my heart. This is a moment of gratitude, not a moment of complaining about how life has treated us in 2020. And of course, the fourth thing that we forget that gets us to to not see the full truth is that we... Forget that harshness is just a part 
It is a component of how the game of life is designed. I had so many guests from the wonderful Susie Fleury who suffered from bullying and suffered anorexia when she was a teenager to Pierce Tanshina who came on the episode really a week and a half after she's been diagnosed with COVID-19, suffered tremendously as a single mother, not really knowing if she can actually sustain her life and the life of her child. We spoke to Kim Ross and, and how her engagement as a woman and the pain of abuse in her life has triggered so much hardship. We spoke to Elena Sanange when she spoke about how school has treated her all the way to Dorota Stanchek when she told her story so vulnerably and so beautifully about the relationship between her and her brother and how her parents are going through such tough times and being unable to fix it or deal with it. The incredible, wonderful Elizabeth Day and her failure to have children. Jackie Nichtel, if you remember, who came on the show the day that she lost a loved one to COVID-19 and was being evicted at the same time. And, you know, you compare all of those to your situation and you start to ask yourself, am I really being punished or am I being blessed? Akeem Hines, my wonderful friend who was homeless at age nine at minus 29 degrees in Canada. Think about that. Think about Jimmy Nelson who was abused as a child and spends his entire life trying to find resolutions, trying to find acceptance, trying to find love as a result of what he's exposed to as a teenager, as a young boy who's not even able or aware to deal with what he's been exposed to. Think about all of those incredible beings and how far they've come in life after those hard, hard, difficult experiences. And then you'd start to wonder if harshness is good for us or bad for us. But either way, you'd have to start to wonder that harshness is actually just part of life. Like a video gamer, and I, am, I tell you, I am, I am an avid video gamer, I'll tell you the truth. When the game gets difficult, no gamer puts his controller down and says, that's it, I hate this game, this game is designed badly. Every gamer takes that opportunity to become a better gamer. And how do you become a better gamer? By engaging in life a little more. By stopping the behavior of six-year-olds who will throw things on the floor and going like, no, that's not what I want life to do to me. Real responsible adults, what do we do when life becomes difficult? We take it on. We acknowledge the truth and we do the best that we can to make life better despite the presence of the new truth that we're going through. Of course, some of those stories, so many of them that we've heard on Slow Mo this year, are harsher than others. Of course, some of them are more difficult, you may think, than others which seem to be simple to you. And that's actually not true at all. I'll tell you very openly, for every single one of those amazing souls that so vulnerably shared with us, when they were going through that experience, that was the toughest test they could ever handle. I often talk about losing Ali. I've been blessed with so much, but I can tell you openly, if life had taken away all of my money and everything that I own and every success that I had and left me homeless on the street, that test would have been easier for me than losing my child. And you have to understand that's not because life wants to be harsh. That's because the test of life 
is there to take you that one notch further, one step further along your story, along your path in life, along your development cycle, so that you're better at handling it. So your own test, whatever it is, I don't know what your test is, I promise you, your own test feels incredibly difficult because it's designed to stretch you one step further. If you were capable and it was easy, you wouldn't get that test. It wouldn't even feel as a test. And in my Islamic culture, we believe that your test, the fact that you're being tested means you're already ready to sit for the exam. That you're just, you just need one extra notch, one little bit of effort to be able to pass that exam. Think about school. When you're sitting for a math exam, unless, of course, you've wasted your life not preparing, when you're sitting for a math exam, you're supposed to know something about math. Think about life. Life is not there to give you harshness. Life is there to help you develop, to become the best gamer that you can become. And perhaps the reason why we fail to handle those tests as they come is because we tend to focus on the wrong side of the test. We tend to focus on what is going wrong and why is it going wrong and why is it me, when in reality, we should focus on what we can control, what we can affect, what we can impact. Because, you know, in reality, control truly is just an illusion that life will never be fully within your control. And I talk about that often. I talk about that often from a physics point of view. And most people who don't dig deeper into the science will think that things like the Big Bang and evolution, you know, and natural selection are processes of highly ordered progress. That's absolutely not true. The reality of our universe, the way life itself is designed, the way physics itself is designed is based on a concept we call entropy. Entropy is simply the fact that everything in life is designed to break down. That when you leave something uncontrolled, it is bound to break down and decay. It's bound to move from order to less order. This is entropy. This is the reason why there is a Big Bang in the first place. This is the reason why when you drop a glass, it breaks, but never unbreaks. It's the law of physics to which everything abides. And when we actually recognize through entropy, through the work of Nassim Taleb around black swans or the idea of butterfly effects, when we actually realize that life is not always within our control, that we can never exert enough effort to control everything, and that sometimes things like a viral infection are not at all within our control, a viral pandemic less so. And so when you start to see it this way, you start to react in ways that are different. I will never forget how my heart felt when Maria Sirwa on episode three, as if I remember, said, the flower that I planted this morning is not going to live forever. And that is so profound. That is so profound because the beauty that that flower brings is undeniable. The joy that you get from observing this flower as it grows, as it blooms, 
is undeniable, but it's also supported with the reality that this flower is not going to live forever. And so, so what do you do about that? Do you stop planting flowers? Do you stop enjoying the beauty of the flower as it blooms? Or do you accept the fact of impermanence, the fact that life is designed to keep changing? The universe is change. The universe is change. And can we actually accept that? And instead of focusing on what is wrong, enjoy what is right. I recorded a, an Instagram post uh, that I posted on social media a couple of days ago to try and remind people to sit down now that lockdowns are coming back. I said, yes, you can think about all of the wrong things about your government or all of the suffering that you're going to have to endure or the fact that you're not going to meet your family over the holidays. You can think about that, but what good is that for you? Shouldn't you instead sit down, take a piece of paper and write down the 10 things you can do, you can do today to make the next few weeks happier for you, to make them happier for those that you love, to make them happier and more productive and better for everyone. And that basically reminds me of just reality of life. What are the things that we can control? Remember, you can control nothing other than your actions, and your attitude, that's it. There's nothing else in life that's within your control. Think about that. Think about your actions being what you do, not even the result of what you do, by the way. It's just what you do is within your control, how you react, how you respond, how you act, how you plan, how you engage. This is within your control. And your attitude, your attitude is, are you going to sit down and say, ah, oh, life is so unfair like a six-year-old? Or are you going to react like an adult and say, yes, life is a game that comes with challenges. Life is a game that does not have control and that I am actually going to be in control of what I can control, my attitude and my actions. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to view the positive. Let me give you a few incredible examples from some of my dearest, dearest guests on slow-mo. I love Michelle Galen. Michelle is always, always focused on the positive side. And Michelle, you know, remember that episode when she started to ask you, what are you going to do when you wake up in the morning? Are you going to switch on your news network, get all of the negativity that is out there in the world and then swipe through the internet and get the toxic positivity that's out there? Is that what you're going to do with your life? Or are you going to sit down, reflect, stretch, meditate, have a good cup of coffee, have a good connection with someone that you love? Because what you do in the morning sets your entire pace. It sets your entire life for the day because life is made up of day after day. And you're going to make that choice. Remember Kevin Abdurrahman, when I interviewed Kevin and it was early in the pandemic and I said, so what are you going to do about this, Kevin? And he said, I will come out of this better than I came in. And I was like, whoa, you're not talking about all of the negativity that everyone is talking about. He said, well, look, I know what it's like. I've lived through 2008 economic crisis and lost everything that I owned. I know what it's like for the events to go against your will. But even then, you still have will. You still have abilities. You can still be in charge of what you're in charge of. He said, I'm going to play the piano. I'm going to call my mother every day. I'm going to be fitter. And isn't that what this is all about? If life is not giving you everything that you want, can't you create some of the things that you want? 
Rick Hansen, when he spoke to us about the idea that all of reality, all of reality is made up of choices that we make in the forms of thoughts. You know, he says the brain can change the mind and the mind can change the brain. Can you actually decide to look at this moment in life and say, I'm going to be positive about this. I'm going to sit down and list all of my blessings. I'm going to allow myself to recognize not all that's being poured into my head to make me feel negative, but I'm actually going to recognize the truth that I have the capacity to switch on the news network. And that in itself means I'm capable. It also means I'm capable to switch it off. It also means I'm capable of tuning into slow-mo to get a, a positive message or slow down a little bit of tuning into positive conversations from so many wonderful teachers out there that you find on the internet or on YouTube or wherever you go. The idea that we can actually change our mind by changing the way we think, I think that to me was quite eye-opening in the conversation with Rick. One other thing that became very, very apparent, very strongly to me during 2020 was the opportunity that 2020 gave us to allow ourselves to feel. You know, all of those masks that we wear when we're out there in the modern world, you know, fighting it out. When we were at home, it was actually no longer needed when you're not on Zoom to actually pretend anymore. You were allowed to feel. And how many of us actually had those raging thoughts that created rampant emotions within us while we were in lockdown? And, and we may think of those as a bad thing, but I will tell you, these are one of the most amazing gifts you can get because you know what? We are never alive until we feel. Imagine a day where you woke up in the morning and had no feelings whatsoever. You only had logical thoughts and, you know, narration of life as it is around you. Would you actually feel alive? The only way we can feel alive is when we have emotions, when we feel. And so instead of, of rejecting those feelings, in 2020, I thought this was the golden opportunity to acknowledge, to recognize those emotions, to let them rise and feel them. Because I'll tell you, there are no bad emotions. There is only bad reactions to emotions. There are no lies in emotions. What you feel is true. It's true whether you acknowledge it or you don't. This time that we have to reflect is the time where you can feel, where you're allowed to acknowledge all of those emotions, to, to think about what you can do with them. Because Again, one of my favorite conversations was with Arun Gandhi, the grandson of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, in his book, The Gift of Anger. And I was like, what are you talking about, Arun? And he said, yes, anger is a gift. Anger is an energy that you can use to create change in the world. Of course, it also is energy that you can use to break windows and hurt others. But if you don't use it that way, energy is a positive. Energy is good for you to use to do things with it. And so look inside and find what your emotions are and find what energy that brings to you if you use it properly. I always talk about the gift of grief. The idea that losing Habibi Ali, it hurts, but it's also energy that wakes me up every morning and reminds me 
to make a thousand people more happy today. The idea that I can manage to change that negative emotion into energy to keep him, to keep his essence loved, to keep his message penetrating the world. This is what emotions can give to you. Acknowledge your emotions. The top emotion, I would say, that became easier for us to feel in COVID-19 is empathy. I will hands down tell you this is the golden age of empathy. We've never as humanity had a chance to become more empathetic. And it's, it's so easy because you wake up in the morning and if you feel lonely, you can easily feel what 70% of your friends are feeling. If you're feeling anxious, you can easily feel what most of the people that heard the same news that you heard yesterday are feeling. It's the golden age of empathy for the first time ever. It's effortless to imagine what the other person is feeling because you're feeling it too. And empathy is an incredible, I think it's the peak, the top of the feminine qualities that we can have in our life. Empathy is what gets us to connect as humanity. And I will tell you, it's not invention of the iPhone that made us humanity. It's not invention of the harnessing fire alone. I mean, all of these were valuable. But it was empathy, it was our ability to connect to other humans that made us a tribe, that made us work together, that made us fight together, that made us protect each other, and that made us become humanity. Empathy also, on the other hand, can be overwhelming. It can drown you, especially in difficult times, when your empathy gets you to feel all of the negative emotions that others are feeling, and you do nothing about it. So the cure to that excessive empathy that we're feeling in COVID-19, which might lead us actually, you feel that the whole world is going wrong. The cure is compassion. The cure is to turn that empathy into energy that drives you to help those who are feeling the negative emotions that you're feeling. And if there is anything I've repeatedly asked all of you everywhere on social media, on slow-mo, anything that I asked you more to do this year, nothing. There was nothing I asked you more than to acknowledge those emotions and reach out. Reach out to people. Make one person happy every day. Make one person happy. Tell them that you feel the same way, even if you can't help them. Have the compassion in you if you know that one of your friends is going through a tough economic time and you've managed to save a little bit of your purchasing needs, instead of saving it because you're so worried about the future, ask them if it helps them to lend them a hundred dollars or a hundred pounds or a thousand dirhams or whatever that is. And when you really, really wake up every morning and think about, think about how you can actually use the day to help another person find peace, find happiness, find a bit of comfort, every day will be a day that you can't wait to start because these are the days that you feel the happiest. I can't even stress how much you should listen to the interview I had with Michael Ventura when he spoke about applied empathy in his very, very process-oriented way, how you could actually engage so deeply and turn empathy into something that gets you closer to people and makes the world a better place. Compassion, on the other hand, of course, 
I mean, I don't think we've spoken about anything more. I've hosted some of my dearest friends and some of the most renowned monks around the world, you know, from um, Matthew Ricard to Topton Jimpa, which we started the series with, to Topton Geelong, to Hyman Sunam, MS Laid, so many monks and nuns who dedicate their entire life to compassion, to taking action to alleviate the sufferings of others. I beg you to make this your golden age for compassion. I will never forget my conversation with Lynn Twist. So wonderful. What an angel. And when I asked her at the end of the interview, I said, Lynn, you've been married for 50 years. What's the secret to a happy marriage? And she said, I and my husband have worried about bigger things and the pity than the pity's things that couples argue about. And when we really, really make our life's purpose to make the lives of others better, we forget, we ignore the pity stuff that we get so engaged in about what the prime minister said or what that post was saying on the internet. We suddenly focus on what matters and that gives us the energy and stability to actually live a life of purpose. A life of purpose is not about changing the world. A life of purpose is about changing your little world. It's about making that one person that you're going to meet today better off after they met you than they were before they met you. It's not about preaching. It's not about teaching. It's about sharing yourself openly. It's about sharing your love openly. It's about allowing you and them to enjoy life And I've allowed myself to enjoy life during slow-mo. I mean, I've had so many amazing guests that were not really only talking about the pandemic, but, you know, we spoke about everything. So many enlightening and fun episodes and laughter and wonderful conversations. I can't forget the incredible coverage of the idea of the relationship between men and women covered from Dr. Robert Glover's way, you know, no more Mr. Nice Guy in such a manly way that quite a bit of my followers on social media were like, oh, we dislike this. He's such a a sexist. And, you know, and I would say, just listen to both episodes. He's actually really advocating being honest, being open with your self-love, being responsible as a man. And and then we, you know, when I hosted uh, Kasha Erbenyak, um, my God, what an incredible conversation on her perspective of empowering a woman to find her place of power on what she calls the good girl reform. We spoke about love with Alain de Baton, which was incredibly enlightening and so fresh and eye-opening, Silal Worthy and all of the good efforts to make a difference to the world, Lynn Twist and all of her efforts to change the world and her incredible stories about what she's done in Africa. Recently, I love, I love my conversation with Courtney Carver when we spoke about minimalism at a point in time when I was just moving to the tiniest apartment I've ever lived in in my life and my extreme need for minimalism. As a matter of fact, at this time, I had the opportunity to speak to my favorite, favorite, favorite documentary show host on uh, on Netflix, Latif Nasser and, and the show Connected. And, and it was such a wonderful conversation, wonderful conversation with Bruce Daisley. And, you know, we overlapped in our years and Google and then he moved on to Twitter and his whole philosophy about happiness at work. The incredibly inspiring conversation with Mark Gober about 
consciousness and, and the reality that consciousness is prime and how that enables the superpower of connecting. Mark Williamson's, my dear, dear friend from Action for Happiness and all of the conversation around doing good and choosing happiness over money. Budur al-Qasimi, Her Highness, uh, the daughter of uh, the Sheikh of uh, Sharjah in the United Arab Emirates and Mamadou Touré when we spoke about uh, the Ubuntu love challenge and, and the idea of choosing love over fear. I loved, loved my conversation with Roxy Nafusi when she was so open and vulnerable about all of her life on the internet as an influencer who has so many followers, but yet so openly shared the good and bad of the internet. I loved Sandra Teschner, who dedicates her life to help amputee children find their beauty and their passion through dance and and, and I can't forget when she was screaming on the podcast saying, you're alive, you're alive, so live. I loved my conversation with uh, Will Paulston. Such an incredible way of finding purpose and turning the purpose of your life in systemic ways into actual achievements. And of course, I got to speak to uh, Zef Siegel, the co-founder of Starbucks, and talk about coffee and what more fun can one have at a time like this? Of course, on top of all of that, I think going back to compassion, I can't even tell you how much my conversation with Kristen Neff has affected me. And, and you may not have had the same joy because Kristen is truly an angel. I mean, you, you look at her and she looks like an angel. And I was in front of her on that Zoom call while you may have just heard us on the podcast, as she was so openly expressing her view of self-compassion and self-love and the idea that you need to treat yourself during those tough times as best as you could treat or wish to treat anyone at all. You could actually see her touching her shoulder and almost telling herself, I love you. I'm so proud of what you've done through this tough time incredible, incredibly eye-opening in times where we may sometimes be alone or we may not be able to meet others and where we're so concerned about the rest of the world and we forget to be concerned about ourselves, to assist ourselves first before we help others, to give ourselves the love that we need, the love that we need to be able to go out there and spread our love to the world. So I will say one more time, I hope that you turn this golden age of empathy to a golden age of compassion, to be able to love yourself, treat yourself right and treat others right as you go through into 2021. And I also want to remind you that 2020, in my view, was the golden age of reflection. To me, when people ask me and say, why are you so positive about such a difficult year? Because I ended 2019 reflecting on the year and coming into 2020 with a New Year's intention that was, this is going to be my year of silence and space. And boy, look at what the world provided. So much space to reflect. And so many of us are not comfortable in our own company. And so accordingly, we find it difficult to sit in silence and reflect. But I believe the most enlightening conversation 
on the topic was my conversation with my dearest, dearest friend, Elizabeth Day, author of How to Fail, the podcast host of How to Fail, and also the author of the new book, Philosophy, and, and how she spoke about when we fail, when times become difficult, when our expectations are missed, this is all happening to allow you to learn, to collect information about what works and what doesn't work and to make your life better in the future. How her failure in a relationship, in a marriage and selling her wedding dress ended up starting her podcast that made her the incredible positive power that she is in the United Kingdom and in the world. And that, I think, to me, has probably been one of the biggest reasons why I took 2020 so positively is because when the lockdown started and my mission One Billion Happy was basically based mostly on touring the world and speaking to people about happiness, and I found myself in lockdown unable to travel, I basically took that as an opportunity to start slow-mo, to talk about the silver lining and look at where we are. It's on the top 100 in many, many countries around the world and sometimes in the top 20 or top 10, even in the top five on health and fitness or mental health. And that wouldn't have started if I just sat down and said, okay, I'm just going to have to wait until they allow me to travel again. I spoke to thousands, tens of thousands of people on Zoom conferences and video conferences to spread happiness because I saw that as an opportunity to reach a thousand people through an hour and a half on an electronic video conference rather than through three days of travel and spoiling our planet with all of the fuel that I have burned. To me, that time of reflection, this is the time that allowed me to realize that I can do things better. I can do things differently. And so I urge you to be comfortable in your own company, to use the holiday season to spend time with you to spend time with you and, and look back at the year and ask yourself, what have I learned? What have I learned from this year? What, what do I want to change? What have I gained? Is there anything that came to me from 2020 that I should appreciate, that I should be grateful for? Because I honestly believe that as you compare yourself to others going through this time, and I hope that this is true, for most of you listening today, you will make this your golden age of gratitude. Because to be quite honest, for me to have had the chance to connect with you on slow-mo rather than traveling across the world to try to connect with so much fewer number of people to reach out on social media is a reason for gratitude, is a reason for me to appreciate. Even though I haven't seen my wonderful daughter for months now, at least I can connect to her on social media, on WhatsApp, on Zoom, on telephone. I'm so grateful that I can still stay in touch. I'm so grateful that even though I was diagnosed with COVID-19 and it was difficult and tough and unpredictable, that I'm now okay. I'm so grateful for the opportunities, for the upsides, for the full side of the glass that came with COVID-19. Spend time to also look forward into the next year. This next year is unpredictable in a way, but you can actually use the current time when you're in lockdown during the holiday season 
to set a New Year's intention. I don't like calling them New Year's resolutions. That sounds a little bit too corporate to me. It's like targets that we have to meet. New Year's intentions, directionally where you want to be. And, and I've already done that. This 2021 is going to be my year of flow. It's a year of flow where I intend to set my self-love boundaries, to understand what my limits are of how I want to protect my own self-care, my own self-love, my own focus on my health, and then be open to live, to say yes to life, to love, to treat everything with my love, as long as those boundaries are not touched. I set my self-love boundaries, and then I flow with life. I intend to enjoy life fully. I intend to make 2021 one of the best years of my life, not knowing what 2021 will bring. Not knowing what 2021 will bring, but knowing that I have the chance and I have the capability and I have the ability to choose to be happy, to choose to be joyful, to choose to stay fit, to choose to love and spread love and spread happiness despite what life gives me. It takes us back to the happiness equation. It's not the events that make us happy. It's events minus expectations that make us happy. It's a choice that we make when we change our mind to be happy despite the event, or hopefully be optimistic that we will all be happy because of the event that 2021 will come with so much positivity. It will come with so much good, only if you're able to recognize them, only if you're able to recognize the silver lining. So that concludes my year in review, my Becky conversation around how I viewed 2020 and how I went through all of the ups and downs that 2020 brought. I will leave you going into a holiday season and wish you the best experience of love. Because remember, the holidays are not about the party. They're not about the shopping. They're about showing our love to others. And that you can still do today. You may not be able to spend time with your parents, but you can call them. You can text them. You can love them. You can ship them a gift. You can show them how much you love them. You can show the homeless that there are people that care. You can show your friends that life is still okay. You can share some of what you learned about happiness. We will now take a break to allow you this time. So no more episodes in season one of Slow Mo. I'll come back to you on January 3rd with our first episode of season two. I hope that by then you will have found your New Year's intentions and you'll have found in you that 2021 will hopefully be a wonderful year for you and a wonderful year for all that you love. I hope that during the holidays, you will find time to slow down because we all need to slow down after such a difficult year. I hope that by the time we come back, you will remember to love life with whatever life gives you to love yourself and have the self-compassion that you need and to love others enough to go out of your way to make their life easier 
in such a difficult time. I can only close by saying that I love you all so much for listening. I'm so grateful for the opportunity you've given me to have so many amazing and wonderful conversations with so many wise people around the world. I love you all for listening, and I will see you next year. And for all of you who joined us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for MoGaudet, Slow Mo, Solve for Happy, or One Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.